brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Love Talk Radio. Yes, that, we will. We'll be, 
Five five albums a week. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I'm gonna quit my job. This is you're gonna quit school. This is all we're gonna do until. Right. Uh, well, you know what? We could. You know, uh, the way things are going, you know, the government will just give us, you know, checks for, I don't know, you know, creating art, as it were, and we don't have to actually do any real work. It'll be fantastic. Now, listen. Dude, um, we, get, we, get support for, uh, we get support for being heavy metal addicts. Bam. There we go. That's right. Where's my welfare check? Now, listen, nobody wants to hear any of this. Um, no. <laughs> I, am, I am pleased as punch to present tonight the career retrospective of one of my favorite bands, probably my favorite band of all time. Uh, from Baltimore, Maryland, home of the wire, Clutch. So we're going to get into... <laughs> so I have, to, I have to explain what's happening right now. My daughter just got home a few minutes ago, and um, I'm letting her hang out in the playroom, which is also my office. Do you want to do the podcast with me, darling? Yeah? Okay. We're going to play music. It's going to be fantastic. It's music that you like. It's Clutch. Now listen, <laughs> I've been listening to Clutch since high school, and uh, it started, oh gosh, I don't even remember what year it was, but Transnational uh, Speedway League, which is the first studio, uh, Clutch Studio album, came out in 1993. I was a junior in high school. I was and not even two. <laughs> you're not even two. And for those that don't know, no, I'm not going to do a whole white boy problems thing. You all keep your pants on here. Um, but I am going to tell you that back in the day, I ran with the New York hardcore punk scene. Uh, used to go to the PWAC, as they called it. The People with AIDS Center used to do a hardcore show for all ages uh, down on Strong Island. I used to go to that. I used to go to the Roseland to see the bigger shows, Irving Plaza, the Wetlands. I used to go to all these places to see concerts. And... Um, you know, back back then, uh, a lot of New York hardcore punk bands, and I had just gotten some inklings about this. Uh, I don't know if you'd call them punk or not. You know, Clutch was Clutch was a very even back then was a very hard band to put into a category. Uh, now they call them stoner rock because uh, of the blues influence and such. But you know, but back then, uh, even Corrosion of Conformity, which is lumped into the stoner rock category. I don't know if it was yep. considered stone rock even back then. But in any case, I, I had had some, you know, some inklings towards Clutch. And then I went to uh, this hardcore, like, Lollapalooza at the Roseland Ballroom. And the uh, the headliner was actually Biohazard. Uh, they were being supported by Marauder and then, like, a bunch of local bands. Yeah. And one of those bands, strangely enough, was Clutch. And I knew that because they played the following song, which was the beginning of my love affair with this band. It's called A Shogun Named Marcus. Thank you. 
out I'm like a buzz bomb. One of the things that 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 is very apparent about Clutch, even going as far back as 1993, is their lyrical styling. When you first heard Shogun named Marcus, and you know, and they do that, you know, the bebop, you do the wop bamboo, and you know, I love, you know. I love that. Yeah, oh, what did you think of, of the of the lyrics of that when you first heard it? Oh, I was walking around my, uh, I was walking around the house actually today, going wop bamboo, wop bamboo, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I loved it because you know, usually I listen to stuff that's it's semi-serious. I mean, these guys are just having so much fun. It's awesome. Fun. Just so much fun you know, and doing the goofy lyrics, you know, fun, 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 fun. One of the things that I absolutely loved about Clutch um, from the start, and like I said, you know, I'm coming from a base of hardcore punk, uh, thrash metal, and while Clutch doesn't didn't even then fit totally into that, they had that like very hard rock feel to them. Um, you know, it's that's a rip roaring song to start off with, and. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a fun podcast to start. <laughs> All right, here we go. Um, yeah, so I, when I first heard them, and I'm like, oh, that's that's a that's a fast song, you know, it's a pretty rocking song. There's a lot of there's a lot going on with it, but definitely the lyrics are what stood out to me. Um, Clutch was definitely a departure from a lot of bands that were around at the time. You know, 1993 was just very much the start of the, you know, the quote unquote alternative era. You know, the, uh, the Seattle sound, you had your Pearl Jam, um, your Soundgarden, your Alice in Chains, your Mother Love Bone, and all that. Um, then on the other side, as we ca- as we cataloged in our Pantera retrospective, you had sort of the rebirth of heavy metal. And Clutch just kind of fit right in there. And that is going to be a constant theme with Clutch. I often refer to them um, as the greatest band no one's ever heard of. <laughs> They've never really fit into... Uh, a particular genre very well, and while Clutch's music has been used all in all over, you know, video games, movies, television shows. I just recently discovered tonight that they used the song in The Walking Dead, for example. I think when people hear Clutch without even knowing who the band is, they're like, "Oh, this is really, really good. This is some pretty rock and stuff. I enjoy this." And yet they have no idea who this band is. And so, like I said, even going as far back as 1993, they there was some it was very hard to kind of place them into a particular genre. They didn't fit in with the heavier stuff. They certainly weren't um like a top 40 kind of pop rock band. They were just kind of there. And as you and I talked about before the show started, you have this very very basic um this is kind of what I want you to speak to. It's a very very basic sound to start with and then a couple albums in they really start to find their sound and from that they build a uh, just an empire of awesomeness. Yeah, yeah, because uh, I did mention that earlier in the show. So this first album, like, I did like it. I liked it, but after listening to like the later album, I'm like, dude, I can't go back. <laughs> you just, yeah, you just you just can't do that. It's like you know, I've tasted the Mountain Dew. I can no longer go back. They it's are definitely cause... one of these bands that they with almost every album. I mean, now here and there they they do an album that's just kind of okay. But Clutch is okay. It's still better than anything else out there. Yeah, yeah. Because like this, like this first album's kind of—I don't want to say one note because that's kind of discredit. That's making them sound boring. They're not boring. It's just compared to this the later stuff. It's got like a lot of blues in it. It's got some blues in it. It's got some. It's got some bluegrass in it. 
it's got some, gospel. It's got some harder gospel. It's got some harder stuff in it. It's got like stuff, keyboards, harmonicas, everything. You don't really find as much of that in that in that this first album because, no. as you said, they're a product of the time. Which, when listening to some of this stuff, I really got reminded of uh, like White Zombie. Got reminded of them some. I got uh, some, you know, as you mentioned before, Corrosion of Conformity. Their mid stuff, not like the crossover that they used to play. They got Corrosion of Conformity. They really, they, I don't want to say they fit into like the sound that was around at the time, but you can definitely peg them more then than you can now. Okay, we're going to go ahead and play Robert's Pick uh, off this album, Transnational Speedway League. This is Robert's Pick, and then we'll go to him and figure out uh, why he picked this one in particular. This is In the Great Shining Path of Monster Trucks. Imagine like that, like that being on the some redneck's car, 
<laughs> and he's thinks, yeah. But like name aside, I really loved the groove that the song had going. Felt that it had like a really just just nice beat to it, nice push to it. And then you know, I I, I think I, I don't I hate to keep going back to other bands, but I kind of get reminded of like a, like a slower white zombie. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because they both have a, like a lot of groove to them, but but I kind of the vibe I kind of got from this. Well, never uh, underestimate the the uh, the power of a catchy uh, catchy hook. Oh yeah, there are many now, bands that have uh, made their name on a catchy hook. Indeed. Now, before we transition into the second studio album, and I want to be clear about this for those of you who are huge Clutch fans, you're not going to hear stuff off like "Slow Hold of China" or uh, "Pitchforks and Needles." Um, unfortunately, we don't have the kind of time tonight to be playing anything that was either on an EP or a, a best of or a live album or a, you know a compilation of demos and such. Um, that'll we'll have to do. You know, maybe one day we'll do the deep Clutch, the deep cuts. Oh God! <laughs> I would be dead <laughs> just because I just because I feel the need to share what would a Wookiee do with everybody. But uh, we're sticking to the uh, studio albums proper tonight. Uh, and before we transition into the self-titled album, which was their second studio album, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the live Clutch experience. I'm actually going to see them May 11th, and Clutch is one of those bands. Like I said, I got a friend of mine who, you know, if you are like music, Robert Cooper is music. I've got a buddy of mine named Paul who is the antithesis of that. He's never been to a concert. He's, you know, like music is, he's kind of like my wife in that sense where music is just kind of in the background of his life. It's not the thing that he thinks about. It's just kind of there and he can take it or leave it. Um, and like I said, he's never been to a concert. And, you know, to me, Clutch is gospel and I preach it. I share it with the world. I am a missionary for Clutch. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And I was like, hey, for... <laughs> shut up. <laughs> In the religious it. sense. In the religious sense. Oh, <laughs> I didn't even think of that. You take <laughs> it for clutch. <laughs> um, in any case, I I'm so jazzed about Clutch and the new album and the and you know the experience of seeing them live that I bought tickets for not just myself and my wife. My wife, who never heard of this band before, like was turned on to them mostly because you know I've brought her to a bunch of shows and she realized how great they are. But also, she's just you know my enthusiasm for them also made her a fan. Um, I'm such a fan of this band that I'm like I'm making this guy go. Like I was like it's not it's not right that you've never been to a concert number 1. That's on American, damn it. Um number 2, 
if you're going to go to any concert, you should go to this one. And and I chose this one over Rockstar Mayhem, which I also have tickets for, but that's all uh, I'm ask. Well, mm, Rockstar Mayhem, if this dude doesn't like music, he's going to get killed because you have, like, the really the deathcore stuff that I don't really like. And you sure. have the stuff that I'm trying – then you have the stuff that I would, like, sell a hobo's kidney for, like Amon Amar and Venus. <laughs> sure. Well, that's, that's my point. I figure if he's going to have one concert experience in his, in his life, it should be Clutch. But th- that being said, Clutch does a really, really good job, especially when they've done their um, one night with Clutch tours where it's just them. And, like, they might have um, the, the drummer's side project, the Bakerton group, and, like, open for them and, you know, do a couple of songs, get the crowd going. And then they do two sets, and it's a long show uh, with an intermission. Those have probably been my favorite Clutch shows, and I've seen them, like, a dozen times. But uh, they have not played the, this next song at any Clutch show I've ever been to, ever, since maybe that one show back in 1993 or four uh, when I saw them with Marauder and Biohazard. And I'm not going to play the whole song. I don't play the whole song of any, of any track. But this particular song, it's about like six, seven minutes long. And the first five of it, you can just completely do without. Because what everyone loves about this song is the end. And it goes a little something like that. Kid Rock wishes he were would have been in the <laughs> But more importantly to the whole point of me playing it is that um more importantly to the whole point of me playing that was they've never played it live. Like I said, Why? maybe maybe they played it live back when um Back when I saw them with Marauder and Biohazard, maybe they've played it live, you know, in some other gigs that I just never saw. But like I said, I've I've seen, I've been on every tour, every tour that Clutch has come around for. I've seen them either in New York, Jersey, Philly, Florida. I, I've I, I have traveled to see this band. They are my Grateful Dead, as it were, and they've I've never won turn to play. And people chant it. People chant, binge and purge, binge and purge, and Clutch will, like, noodle on guitars, you know, play a harmonica, do a jig, turn the lights on and go home, yeah, whatever. No, in, in whatever atmosphere, whatever gig I've ever seen them at, they've never played binge and purge, and to this day, I don't know why. I don't want to look it up. I don't want to know. I'd rather leave it a mystery. Oh, that is, like, the perfect, that's the perfect opener. That's the perfect like ending song before your encore. The perfect middle of the road song. Oh, because it's got so, so much energy. 
And they've got it's like so that's like the most aggressive clutch song I've ever heard. And they've and I don't think they've ever like captured that level of aggression. And they don't need to. They're they're not just you know they're not eighth breed for Christ's sakes. But um, (laughs) time to murder it. (laughs) It is time to murder it. But you know there it is. Hashtag come on motherfucker. It's time to murder it. There's the phrase that pays. Um, There you go. That's 2013 right there. There it is. But uh, yeah, I, I've just I've never I, I don't know if it's one of the things where Clutch is just not like proud of that. <laughs> you know, it's kind of they go back to that because like, they play Shogun named Marcus. I've heard them play Monster Trucks. They play Rats all the time. Uh, they play They Call Me El Jefe. They play all of these great songs from that album. I mean, they've got a rather significantly large catalog. Um, yeah. So. It's you know so so they try to mix up the old with the new. They try to play a lot of the stuff that you know that people really really enjoy. It's why they play Shogun because people think it's one of the, you know longtime fans. It's one of their favorite songs. It's one of the most well known songs by uh, Clutch from that era. But yet no binge and purge. And it's not like people have forgotten about it. I guarantee you there'll be people in the crowd when I see them in Orlando yelling for binge and purge, and Clutch will turn a deaf ear to them. Yeah, that's kind of odd because, like, Clutch, they sound kind of the opposite of Iron Maiden. Like, you know, Maiden did a tour, I think it was, yeah, last year because I missed it, sadly. I could have went. It was, uh, they played all the, they played the set from Maiden England in the 80s. Well, before that, they were doing tours for just the new album, and they would only play the new album and, like, one or two songs, you'd miss out on the greatest hits. That sounds like the opposite. Yeah, they sound like the anti-Clutch. No, that's for just randomly thinking. I'm like, I don't know, maybe Benjamin Purge is like uh, The Conjuring is the Dave Mustaine. I don't know if you ever heard about that one. Dave Mustaine refuses to play The Conjuring. No, I did not know that. Yeah, because he's now like a born-again Christian, and that song is apparently a hex because he was dabbling in witchcraft at the time. (laughs) So, yeah, so he kind of refuses to play it, which I'm like, well, I guess you have 13 albums. You can get away with it. monster refusing to play Girls, Girls, Girls. Why would you just, like, yeah, we're not really proud of that anymore. It's it's embarrassing. Let's forget we did this. God, that's silly. I mean, I heard the newest song they put out for, like, free, and I deleted it off my computer. It was so bad. (laughs) I'm not saying they have, but it would be, like, that kind of a thing, like, you know, I don't just randomly deciding we're not going to play this song. I don't think like Madonna plays even like her older music, you know, the old uh, you know Material Girl uh, era type of stuff. And to, to this day, I think it's still Madonna's best work. Because um, I don't know about you, but we are living in a Material Girl, Material World, and I am a Material Girl. There's no such thing as Madonna's best. I do not like that woman. <laughs> oh, boo. All right, let's. <laughs> this is not the Madonna podcast. Now listen. Um, in 1995, <laughs> I don't think he's a Madonna fan either. He's all Taylor Swift. Um, Poor man. Anyways, <laughs> we love I you, love Jeremy. You, <laughs> um, in 1995, they released their second studio album, and I think th- this could be considered the the genesis of their quote unquote stoner rock uh, feel. This I, I I feel like there was this was such a departure from the uh, uh, Transnational Speedway that it kind of threw people off. And I think a lot of people who were expecting more binge and purge, basically, and they got this instead, might have actually been turned off by Clutch. Um, But in doing so, they brought in a whole new level of fan. Um, And and years later, they'll get some of those people back with uh, careful with that mic, unfortunately, and some of the other stuff that they put out. But ultimately, I think this is the beginning of... What is what is the quintessential stoner rock clutch groove blues sound, 
And we're going to start, actually, with one of Rob's choices. It's probably one of the most popular songs on this album. Uh, it's the one that everyone likes to chant when you go to the show. You've been moshing, you've been sweaty, you've been dancing around, and then they break it down and they play this one, they dim the lights, and everyone gets into it. And it's just an awesome song. It's called Space Grass. Dashboard. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> 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 I 
like I said, they they sneak that aggression in here and there. You know, they're, like I said, they're not you know like one of these super aggressive um, metalcore bands. Obviously, not even close. But <laughs> but they do. You know, but it, but if someone you know would say like, oh, I don't like Clutch. It's too sissy for me. You know, you can bring them back to this and going, dude. Clutch in their early years were some uh, aggressive, angry people. They just did it in a way that was you know musically uh, talented, as opposed to just yelling at people. Yeah, like this this song right here like brings in some of my favorite elements. Like it has a real Sabbath vibe to it. With that real slow and kind of the drone to it, and that yeah, it does all sound a little bit like like Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath. Yeah, it's got a little bit of a Sabbath vibe. It's still got some of that stoner vibe. I love stoner metal. I really do. Like I got some stoner metal today. <laughs> <laughs> it's got some. It's got some of that. It's got that aggression. You know, it's got it's got many elements, and I really dig that. I really dig that. There's they bring lots of things to the table in such a long song. Really One of the other album. things about uh, the self-titled... Now, this is Clutch by Clutch. It's a self-titled album. Um, one of their big, one of their uh, biggest-selling albums, actually, of all time um, uh, in their catalog. But it was also one of the first albums that they put out that really had a somatic feel to it. Um, Clutch is very much absorbed with space and science fiction and such. And uh, this second album by them... Uh, it comes that comes full force. You really get a, a feel for what this band tends to be about. Now they'll kind of come back and forth uh, to it, and you know they'll they'll add elements to it down the line. But one of the things that people uh, treasure about this album is that science fiction feel to it. So you've got songs like uh, Space Grass, um, you know, Big News One and Two. There's, there's a, some of those elements in there. Uh, the song that I picked that I want to play is probably one of my favorites from this album. And it's because, and this is another element to uh, Clutch. Somebody uh, in a comment that I was reading about them saying, Clutch doesn't, Neil Fallon doesn't sing. Singer of Clutch. Neil Fallon doesn't sing, he preaches. And that's true. He preaches. He tells stories. He's not up there yelling, and he's not crying, and he's not singing, really. <laughs> he's, you know, he's up there like a um, like a Baptist minister, you know what I mean? And when he oh, does God. a song that tells you a story, you, you know, as, as aggressive and as fun as the music is, you're really into the story. And that's part of the reason why I love this next song. This is called Escape from the Prison Planet. I'm 
Eject! Escape from the prison planet. Love it. What do you think of the storytelling elements uh, in Clutch songs? I mean, do you get how they're you know they're not just singing songs; they're actually like sharing um, different stories and tales and adventures, and just you know they paint these really really vivid pictures um, that accompany what I what I consider to be some of the best musicianship in music today. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I definitely think that they they do a damn good job of conveying conveying that story. Like the song right there, like I totally got lost in the uh in just like the vocals, which to me honestly is probably gonna sound like sacrilege, but I was like, you know, he kinda sounds like Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> <laughs> he does he does portray like in that song, like it's not like his usual singing voice. He's a bit of a departure there, singing a little bit higher. Um, but he's using a voice to kind of tell, to to voice this character, and this character is sort of you know paranoid schizophrenic who's you know and, and what do paranoid schizophrenics you know when you're doing sort of an impression of them they talk about you know the tinfoil hats and the government's out to get me and all this other stuff and you know and, and it, it does a great job of conveying that and the voice I think adds to it. Yeah, that it does. It definitely it brings you out of the other. It brings you out of what you're expecting because you're expecting you know, that normal singing voice. No, this is telling a story. So he's going to bring something to you that makes you that grabs you and makes you want to listen to the story just by making it making it different, different from the rest of the songs, different a different voice. Absolutely. And I don't know too many bands that can accomplish that with such ease. I mean, and you'll see this on in later albums as well. Um, where it's not as over the top, uh, Neil Fallon does a really, really good job of sort of stepping outside of himself and singing songs in character and sort of taking you on, on a journey while still making it sound like, um, you know, songs with hooks and riffs and choruses and whatnot. And, you know, it, it, I really, I don't think he gets a, a tremendous amount of credit for being one of the most unique voices as far as vocalists go in, in music today. Uh, well, I've never, I've never heard of them until you made me listen to them. So I can't really say much <laughs> on that. <laughs> and that, folks, is why I refer to Clutch as the greatest band nobody's ever heard of. Yeah, more or less. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Um, we fast forward uh, to 1998 with uh, an album called The Elephant Riders, and this one again took a, took a departure thematically from what they were doing before. It is hard to sort of pinpoint where they were going with this album, and that by no means is a criticism. 
it, it's just it was just kind of all over the place in as far as themes go. So we'll start right off with the title track. This is called The Elephant Riders. Why the soap makers? Well, 
another 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 one of these songs. I'm like, I love that. that. That's just like a fun title. I don't know why I like it, but I'm like, soap makers. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> anyways, I love the intro to it. I'm like, oh, this is just so like fast, so groovy. Just kind of making me dance. And then as you get further into the song, it kind of keeps that beat, but then it changes tempo to kind of something a little slower. Something a little slower. I really enjoyed that. I like that they brought something different because you know. When I first started listening to the song, I'm like, oh, this is just going to be a straightforward rocker. Okay, I'm good with that. And then it's like, change the tempo. And I'm like, shit. <laughs> I like this. <laughs> I did not see this coming, but I am not. I am happily, happily surprised. That is definitely a nice, concise uh, review of Clutch. I didn't see this coming, but I really liked it. Yeah, I'm happily surprised. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, now, I've been gush- gushing about Clutch and... Part of the reason why is, you know, I say this is a band for musicians. This is, a, you know, this is for um, musicians who like music kind of a thing. And part of the reason why I say that, obviously, um, you know, the actual musicianship, the lyrics, the vocals, it's all very different. It's also because when I hear a lot of music today, and Robert, I'm going to let Robert weigh in on this before we play the song. When I hear a lot of music today, it's a lot of, some of the, some of the music that I hear... Um, I'll think it's one band and it's actually some band that I've like never even heard of. And that sort of speaks to, look, there are only so many ways you can arrange music in this world. And a lot of it ten- is so similar, it's very easy to just kind of get lost in the monotony of it all. One of the things that I like about Clutch is so many of their songs stand out from anything I've ever heard before. And while you might say, oh, well, this sounds like this kind of genre of music, and it's not the most well-known thing, you might say, oh, it sounds kind of folky, it sounds this, it sounds that. I just, it's so hard to really encapsulate what Clutch is doing with their music. So that's part of why I, I say, like, they're one of the best. You know, even if you're not necessarily a fan of this type of music, I think you can appreciate there's really nobody else that sounds anything like them. Yeah, yeah, I agree, like, i I actually am kind of a fan of that type of music. I really do love funky, bluesy stuff. It's just not really in my usual CD repertoire. But uh, <laughs> just just to comment on what you're talking about, like a lot of bands sound alike nowadays, I think that's a huge problem. Not just because it's monotonous, just because, well, honestly, I don't think the same chords they're playing, I don't think are really worth playing anymore. They've either been done or they've not been done well, and everybody's just kept copying the same thing. I feel like it's really kind of like popular music degraded a bit like i know that when it comes to classic rock the only reason we love it so much is because you know it's the classics they don't play the shit but at the same time a lot of times the shit's kind of raising <laughs> rising to the top of the bowl <laughs> it's the nugget as, as, as it were yes that's that's kind of how it is like that one like really stanky turd starting to come up to the top of the bowl <laughs> and that's kind of how popular music feels to me nowadays i know i, I don't want to sound like too much of a grumpy old metalhead but that's kind of what it feels like. And one thing I can say after listening to most of Clutch, I have not listened to every track of every album because I have problems doing that with bands I love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's like a certain point where I can only procrastinate so many so many albums at one time. But but what I've heard, they definitely they bring something different each album, even within within an album. You can be like, oh, well, this sounds like that, and then you hear the next song, it's like, oh, well, this sounds like something else. It's fun. It's just kind of like a roll of the dice. Like, you know, oh, what are we going to get? I don't know. Roll the dice. That's right. 
So I'm going to play a song now, which doesn't sound like anything I've ever heard before. It's probably why I love it so much, but it's also, it, it, it speaks to me on many, many levels, one of which is my fat guy level. This is called Sounds to me like Mike Patton hijacked Chris Cornell's job in Soundgarden. <laughs> just, just, just rolled up in there like the shield, you know, just beat the crap out of Chris Cornell. Like, just follow my lead, sonny. This random scab vocals in there. And we're like, oh God, oh God, that's Mike Patton. That's Mike Patton. And then like, Chris Cornell's looking, and just out from the bricks comes Mike Patton, punches him in the face, and just starts, <laughs> starts Man. thinking about the holidays and what he had for dinner. <laughs> it's such Was a that- weird song, you know what I mean? That's why I said, like, I've never heard anything like that before. Like, could you just imagine, like, you had no clue. Like, some, like, like you're dating a girl, and you want to impress her, and she brings you to the show, and you've never heard of this band before, and this is the first thing you hear. For Thanksgiving, we had taters. And you're like, what the fuck am I listening to? I, honestly, I think I'd love her more, because, you know, a girl that can that can introduce you to a song about Thanksgiving and mashed potatoes, she's a keeper. <laughs> you, don't really, you don't really get that. I uh, I was reading comments in preparation for the show, and I was reading a bunch of different things. I was reading some comments um, about this song, and people were like, this would be like a holiday song. Like, you should, like, you know, it's Santa Claus is coming to town. We wish you Merry Christmas. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Wishbone. Wishbone, the Hanukkah song. Dominic the Donkey. Yes. Oh, God. You know, I'd never heard that song until I was in a Goodwill last last year, and it came on. I'm like, what in the fuck am I listening to? I think the first year we did the podcast, like, I, I started it in February of 2011, and I think by, like, Christmas, um... You know, I I opened the show with that, and it was like, you know, it was like, and everybody, like outside of New York, unless you you know, unless you you're familiar with WCBS FM and have Italian friends uh, from the New York area, no one's ever heard of Dominic the Italian Christmas Donkey. Uh, so when I play it for people, they're just like, did you make this song up? I mean, or, you know, like they think it's a gag, and then they hear the song, they were like, is this a joke? I'm like, no, this is uh, this is some like Italian dude who who sang a Christmas song. How many lines of coke were you snorting with me, Houston? Why did you come up with this? <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
So we're going to transition. It's so catchy, though. It really yeah. is. Well, first of I all, the singing. hooks in it are, are awesome. You know, and then when they get to the chorus, and he's, he's, he's like, he's singing in this sort of weird, like weird, like deep voice, and he's, you know, and he's singing about his meal at Thanksgiving, and then all of a sudden, bam, I'm losing it, and it's, you know, and it gets really crunchy, and then we're we're back just telling the story again. Yeah, we are. No, I was talking about Dominic the Christmas Donkey. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, that was, that is a really cool. It is a cool song, though. He is uh, he is a lot like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, except that he's Italian. Oh, God. <laughs> Rudolph the Guido Reindeer. <laughs> Stop that now, googly. All right, let's transition here to 1999, because that's how we're going to potty. Um, oh, and... God. <laughs> I'll, bring, now... I'll bring the N64. <laughs> uh, this is Jam Room, and Jam Room uh, is also how we start this podcast uh every two weeks when we do one of these we start off with who wants to rock which i, I the clutch has actually started some shows with who wants to rock and it's just it's just the perfect opener it really is it's it's a great way to open a show it's a great way to open an album um i, I just i love that like, who wants to rock you know it's so like so it's like you know it's like uh, it's clobbering time by uh sick of it all it's just you know one phrase and that's all you need to know <laughs> but uh the whole album if anything could be considered Clutch's experimental album, it's this one. And I feel like all the previous albums sort of, you know, led to this. And from this, they went in all these other different directions. Um, the last couple of Clutch albums, I feel like, start with Jam Room. Um, and it's just them doing all kinds of weird stuff with music. Uh, I wouldn't go as far as to say it's psychedelic. But it's definitely bizarre. Um, they they do some really really funny things with it, with uh, with music in this album. Did you get a chance to listen to all of it? Oh yeah, sorry sorry sorry. I thought you were gonna, I thought you were going to enter into the song. My bad. No, uh, I I did. I listened to most of it. I didn't listen to all because, like I said, I was, I tried to cram in what was it eight nine albums in three days because I procrastinated when I had a month. Yeah, I really, I felt like it, I, I agree with what you said. I kind of felt like it had it had a different quality from the other the other albums because the other albums, you know, you kind of you got some of those, those stoner heavy tracks. You got a few you got a few of those just really hard rock tracks. This one kind of it was different. You didn't always get that, which I know that's clutch in a nutshell. But I think it it's this is as you said the bridge between old like the older clutch and the newer clutch. It's when, when bands, yeah, as we approach the millennium, um, you know, when bands, certain bands like like Metallica or you know some other bands out there, they'll do an album where they're experimenting with a new sound. Uh, it, it ends it ends up turning off a lot of fans, and I don't know how many people were turned off by Jam Room. Um, I think it made more fans. So this is one of those areas where I think Clutch was very very successful in doing an experimental album and garnering more fans with uh, some very interesting music. Um, I'm gonna let you speak to that, and then we're gonna play the first track. Go ahead. No. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I can't really speak of at the time because I was kind of sort of like, what, eight? <laughs> but, yeah, I think I think that I do agree. Like, as I was coughing while you were talking, I was like, St. Anger. Yeah, like, St. Anger was St. Metallica trying to do something new, but it wasn't what the fans wanted. And that can be a problem. Like, if you have a change in sound that nobody likes, it, 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 it can really kind of make your fan base shit. Like, Metallica, like, you know... I'm sure you've read my column before, Mark. Every time I mention Metallica, what do the comments say? Fuck Metallica. <laughs> that kind of like, yeah. Oh, actually, I start I start joking about it because I'm just like I get tired of saying it. I'm like, okay, I'm like Metallica. Okay, guys, fuck Metallica. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Fuck Metallica. Yeah. Very good. Okay, okay. Yes, I understand the '90s was rough, but shut up. The yeah. '80s was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like like if an album like Jammer Moon went wrong. It would have ended up doing like what happened to Metallica, like their good the goodwill they built up with the with the audience that slowly started whittling. The, the, the goodwill would have been gone. You would have had a lot. The only people that would have been left are like the hardcore fans, like you, <laughs> the people that have seen them eighteen thousand times in seventeen states, like you know, with your Christmas donkey. You, you wouldn't have, yeah, you wouldn't have a lot of the. You wouldn't have a lot of those the fans that show up at the shows now. They're like, oh yeah, you know, I heard that one song by them and I really like them. So you know, they're in town. I'm gonna go see them. You wouldn't have that if Jam Room would have failed, and it didn't. So that's why we're talking about it because it's awesome. Yep. All right. So this is one of my favorite tracks off of this. Um, there, there's a bunch, and I've I've actually with the onset of this particular podcast, I now have permanent outro music for all of my podcasts, which will play at the very end of the show, and it's from this album. But I think oh, this God. song, this song's called Big Fat Pig.
All right. That's my new comeback to anybody who annoys me on 411 is, is you just stupid or is you just high? Jeffrey Harris. I wasn't going there, but sure. Um, kind of love you, Jeff. <laughs> kind of love you. <laughs> that's a lie in two places. Now, listen. Um, oh. <laughs> that, you know, one that of the things. should have had a whole train right in the middle of it. <laughs> Um, one of the one of the great things about Jam Room is it does have that feel like they just walked into his studio and started noodling, and he's just you know, and Neil Fallon's just kind of saying stuff. You you mentioned Mike Patton before, and I actually think that's a very apt comparison because uh, lyrically, Mike Patton and I think um, Clutch Neil Fallon uh, are very similar, very 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 bizarre, inventive, um, vivid lyrics. But they, this definitely felt like they just kind of showed up, and it's it's it, it, it um there's a feel to the music that very much speaks to the name of the album Jam Room. It definitely feels like they just kind of showed up to the studio and just started playing, and when they feel like they had a song, they hit record. That's yeah, honestly, I think that uh, when you're talking about how talented the musicians they were, I think that really does speak volumes about how talented they were on the album. Can pretty much have the feel of a jam session, yet still like feel it, st- it still feels like they tried. It feels like they worked on it. Like at the same time, it's still polished, it's still well done, it's still fun, but it just has a nice, a light, a lighthearted kind of fun feel to it. Yes, very, very, very lighthearted. Um, and they definitely do still play some tracks off of this. They tend to play, uh, they play, um, they put basket of eggs. They play release the kraken occasionally. Uh, I've heard them play Sink 'em Low, uh, Gnome Enthusiast. They, they Raised by Horses is a big one they play constantly. Um, I occasionally hear them play Big Fat Pig. Um, I get very excited when they do. Uh, occasionally they'll open up either they'll open up the show or they'll open up their or they'll they'll do a um, an encore and they'll open it with Who Wants to Rock. So it's uh, it's it's definitely a feature in their in their shows even to this day. Now. You picked a song here called, uh, and it's not a song I'm actually particularly familiar with. Of all the songs that I listened to on Jam Room, for whatever reason, this one never jumped out at me. Um, not a bad song. Clutch never writes a bad song, mind you. But I'm just curious, what about, with all of these other songs on Jam Room, where did you come up with Swamp Boot Upside Down? Well, you know how usually I'm like, oh, I love the name of that. That is a hilarious hilarious name for a song and then I listened to it I'm like come on. I thought it had a really cool kind of kind of sludgy slow vibe to it so no if I'm not mistaken it is all instrumental right? I think so. I think it is all instrumental anyways yes instrumental I just really loved the vibe of it I felt it was something different from you know like what you just played which was like sound like something Godfather would come out to it's just like <laughs> I mean, I think the name of it says, oh, it sounds like a swamp boat upside down. It feels really kind of slu- kind of sludgy. Like, I think when I looked at Wikipedia, it said this was like southern stone rock. I'm like, okay, yeah, this definitely feels like something that would come out of, like, the bayou. All right. Come on. So here it is from down on the bayou, swamp boot upside down. <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs>
probably the highest praise I can give any band is if you're doing an instrumental and you can still keep my interest, uh, you're pretty you're pretty talented. Um, that's, yeah. That's, that's an interesting song. Yeah, it was like, like I will recant my statement slightly to edit it. It sounds like somebody's traveling down in a swamp boat down the bayou with a guitar. Like it kind of sounds like that. That like that's like it really feels like okay yep, I'm gonna buy you and then you see somebody like blah, 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 yep just keep going <laughs> you kind of tell told a story in its own little way and you just kind of imagine it <laughs> alright in 2001 March 13, 2001 uh, Clutch released Pure Rock Fury very much a departure from Jam Room uh, built on the sound absolutely but I think if if they got the idea that, and Clutch does this every once in a while, where they're just like, okay, we've done too much kind of experimental stuff here. Let's, you know, let 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 let's do one for the label. You know what I mean? And and Clutch, <laughs> it's kind of like movies. You know, it's like you do one for for yourself, you do one for the studio. Pure Rock Fury was very much one for the label. This uh, had a lot of really really good, awesome rock songs to it. Definitely definitely a clutch album for sure, but you definitely felt like they were trying to get some mainstream acceptance. They actually had a minor hit with uh, this first song that we're going to play here, which is actually kind of a parody of a rap song. This was big with the college kids at the time. 2001, if you were in college, you might have heard this on college radio, if you remember what that was. Uh, this is called <laughs> Careful With That Mic. Uh, Mike up against Little John. Okay? Yeah. 
<laughs> like if my parents weren't like trying to sleep right now, I would totally just like belt out my little John impersonation. But no, just like slight tangent. Did you see on the site last night? Like I was like, oh, Lil Wayne's new album's out. Okay, like both Jeremy and Tony Acero reviewed it. Reviewed it. Oh, they put shit on it everywhere. <laughs> just like big greasy diarrhea. I'm like, oh, it's so gorgeous. Because you know when I, when I was in high school, you know like in like 2008, you know back then, everybody's like, oh, Lil Wayne's the greatest MC of all time. I'm like. He's a midget with bad tattoos and a horrible idea when trying to make a rock album. <laughs> but that was that was awesome, by the way. That rap, the rap song you just played. I think Sean, I think Sean Comer needs to like memorize it. So next time y'all do the uh, Road to Ruin, he just needs to pop off that and just hear you start squealing, squealing like a fangirl. If Sean Comer, the next uh, Long Road to Ruin that we're doing, we're going to be starting the Batman series uh, ooh, first. Ooh, is anybody the, um, on the bat? Say what? Is anybody guessing on that one yet? <laughs> Same Riccati in theory. Uh, will be okay. Gu- we're not not the new one. We're not doing the, the Chris Nolan one. We're doing the... Um, oh, well, we're, I thought we were doing that afterwards. No, we're doing... Uh, what's his face? The Tim Burton years and then the Yuck years. Uh, oh, okay. Well, I need, to, I need to jump in on one of those. And I'll make sure I do my Batman voice the entire time. <laughs> when we do the Chris Nolan one, if we ever get to it, we'll, I'll be happy to have you on the show. But in any case... Um, yeah, if Chris, if Sean Comer starts up a long road to ruin and just freestyles careful with that mic, I don't think I'll be able to continue the podcast. What? It's stuck. Like I'm done. Can't follow that. Yeah, I, and we're done, folks. Good night, everybody. But in, in all seriousness, one of my major criticisms of rap music, and they're not, they're, of course, it's not a rap band. They were doing a parody of a rap song, and it just happens to be one of the more popular songs, especially in mainstream audiences. And I think you can see why. I mean, that's probably the most intelligently written rap song I've ever heard. But it, it, first of all, Neil Fallon managed to the, 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 keep up that speed. I mean, he was almost like, like Onyx or, um, oh, God, uh, Funk or something or other. Um, I think it's Funk Dubious, where they used to write rap backwards. Um, but that's they, silly. Yeah, it that is. That is impressive, but silly. There, there are certain rap groups where uh, even like uh, some of like the Master P No Limit stuff, where they would just keep up this like, really really fast uh, rhyming yeah, beat. Uh, twi- was it Twister? Twister did one. I remember because I used to watch, I used to watch MTV in 2003 when like rap was still like okay, and I was in sixth grade. <laughs> so I mean, it's an impressive feat to be able to do. I can't do it. I, I have too much of a um, I have too much of a lisp in, in the way that I speak. Uh, when I try to enunciate, yeah, and I'm and I'm way too white. I don't, I, I can't, I can't do a podcast that fast, let alone rap. So I, I give them all the credit in the world for those that can do it. But you know, Neil Fallon, who you know, who's this you know guttural stoner rock guitar player singer, just busted out with you know with a rap song where lyrically and uh, tempo wise, I would legitimately put him with any of these other uh, other rappers. I think that was incredible. It indeed was. I was kind of blown away because it's been a while, it's been a little while, and by a little while I mean like a day since I heard that song. I had some. I have so much clutch on the brain right now. I'm like, what's that song? Oh, okay, now I remember. <laughs> um, but I, the other thing I was going to say about it is my biggest complaint about rap music is it tends to many much of it tends to be a lot about the same stuff, and I could say the same thing about you know a lot of rock songs. Though I think they have far greater range than most rap music. You know, I don't know, if, you know, Lambert or Jeremy Wilson or anybody else that's, you know, that's or Joseph Lee, anybody else that's out there who's like, no, you don't listen to enough rap music. There's range, sure, if if you say so. I haven't heard it. 
and I'm not totally close to that genre of music. But one of the reasons why I, I just am so fascinated by Careful With That Mic, and I'll tell you, it took me a long time to come back to it, because initially, because it was so popular, um, and especially with the White Hat crew, that I was I was very much turned off from it. But I'm not the obnoxious... Yeah, I, I'm not that obnoxious anymore, and I can appreciate a good song when I hear one, despite how popular it is. Uh, I'm still obnoxious, but don't, I still like songs that are popular, as long as they don't suck. That's the problem. <laughs> All right. A lot of times the popular songs are the ones you're like, I can find better. <laughs> it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Now, speaking of uh, songs that are just great that everyone should love, here's the title track to this album. It's called Pure Rock Fury. Something that doesn't suck major anus. 
like I said, it's a very accessible song. I mean, it's 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 that rare combination of accessible yet heavy. We, you know, yeah. um, there's no you know, there's no cursing in it. You know, the lyrics are fun. It's everything a clutch song should be, without being such a departure from what you're used to hearing on the radio that it would turn off you know, casual music fans. I don't see, I, I can't imagine anyone listening to that song who's interested in listening to hard rock and not liking that song. Yeah, like, uh, stuff like that. Like, I'm, I'm starting to find out as I'm trying to uh, date girls. Yeah. So, like, I'll date it all one. But, like, when I was dating dating her, like, she's like, oh, you know, I like stuff like The Killers. I'm like, okay. Uh, started sending her power metal. And she's like, ah, yeah, it's a little too much. So I started sending her, like, stoner metal and stoner rock and some doom metal. Like, stuff that, you know, kind of has a bass in hard rock. She really likes that. I'm starting to find out that, like, a lot of people, like, even if they don't like metal, if they don't like rock, usually stuff like it's got a Sabbath vibe or something like Clutch, you know, something that's got kind of a beat to it and it's still kind of fun. Yeah, people tend to like that. That's what I'm starting to find out about people. I, yeah, I would agree with you. I would say that people don't want to be overwhelmed by the music. People, many people, I'm going to, I'm going to do kind of a psychological link here, but I feel like many people don't want to deal with um w- with being uh not the word I'm looking for here um confronted they don't like confrontation and like, they, they don't want something too far from what they've heard if you give them something like this it kind of eases its way it's, it's gateway right. own gateway drug they don't want to be pushed out of their comfort zone they don't like confrontation and I'll I'll go back to something that my that my father said which I thought was hilarious you know, and he was talking about Judas Priest at the time, but he was like, "I don't like oh, I I feel like someone's one. yelling at me." Yeah, I remember. I think he told that one. I was like, "Yeah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> that's nothing." <laughs> but that, and that's my dad. But I, but you know, my dad, I think, is very much a is very much somebody who, um, while, while his music taste may not reflect the vast majority of people out there, at least the sentiment does. People don't want to be, you know, look, not, you're going to find that many people don't like Cradle of Filth, okay? It's just way like too much for people. So, you know, a song like <laughs> Pure Rock Fury, a lot of the songs off the Pure Rock Fury album are just that mix of just enough, you know, uh, just, just enough uh, rock, just enough, you know, uh, aggression to qualify as you know, good heavy metal without it being overbearing to the point where you're going to scare the straights. Yeah, like it's it's it kind of does like you said. Like people don't want to be confronted. It's got like it's got a few few elements to like that cover a broad range of people. Like let's say a band like I don't know if you listen to much in Tomb, but in Tomb's early stuff was death metal. Then eventually they went into like a death and roll, which is like kind of a mix of like kind of a groove and death metal with like some rock and roll. It's really easy to get people into death metal through like a band like Entomb because they have that rock and roll feel. Again, just like Clutch, Clutch has that rock and roll feel. It's it's similar enough to what people usually like, where they go, okay, I'm into this. And then there's like bands that maybe are heavier than Clutch that they're like, oh, you know, I like Clutch. I kind of like this band too, and it just keeps building. So it's Tower of Babel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now this next album we go to 2004, and this is the beginning. This is where Clutch really got into the concept album. Um, you know, Jam Room it was kind of like a rebirth for Clutch, and then it was almost like they they started to follow very similar trends to their first couple of albums. So, like, Transnational and Pure Rock Fury are very similar, and this next one, uh, Blast Tyrant, has a very similar feel to uh, the self-titled album. 
um, more of the science fiction elements to it. But this is also where they begin the beginning. They began to play a lot with blues, real heavy, thick blues. And you won't know it by listening to this song, but it's probably one of the best on there. It's called Prophets of Doom. Modern Clutch fans love Blast Tyrant the most. There's so many great songs off of there, and I remember they toured a lot for Blast Tyrant, and when they would play Mercury, Prophets of Doom, uh, the next song we're going to play, which is The Mob Goes Wild, man, people just came unglued, and they're such groovy, catchy songs. What do you think of Prophets of Doom, Rob? That was that was pretty cool. Like That's actually one of the songs that I didn't get to. Like I said, I was, like once I got around the end, I started just skipping around trying to find everything that I could, and I really regret not saying like, like I don't know if I said this. I know I said this earlier. I wish I would have done the like the later albums in the full, and then the early albums kind of spotty, because they're, it's a little easier to get the uh, those early albums in the full. But like, did you find yourself asking really, why I like this band so much when you fo- were focusing on the early albums, and then like, oh, that's why when you heard the later ones. Yeah, because like they have blues. Like the cool thing, the thing I love about bands that like incorporate blues, like uh, Black Country Communion. Like when I first heard them, I was like, wow, you know, I really like this. It's got this hard rock vibe, but it's got something else, and I haven't really heard that before. Because you know, I was like, what? Yeah, I was in the high school, like early, like late high school. You know, you don't listen to much blues in high school. So I was like, wow, okay. So then I picked up Joe Bonamassa, who's the guitarist from there, and I feel like a band like Clutch, they can do that as well. Like you know, you're like oh. I really like this. Uh, I really like this bluesy sound. I want, I want to kind of find things that are more like that. And even if you work in reverse, if you like blues, you find clutch. You're like, okay, wow, I really like what they're doing with this sound that I love so much. It's neat. It's neat, neat, neat. As a musician, Rob, talk to me about, um, and you don't necessarily just focus on Blast Tyrant, but the whole collective clutch catalog that you've 
listened to so far. What can you tell me about their guitar playing as a musician? Because, you know, I can tell you about themes and sounds and experiences, but I'm not a musician. Um, well, I'm not a guitar player. <laughs> you play bass, don't you? No, no, that's my best friend. He plays bass. Oh, uh, what do you no, play? My best friend plays. I play trumpet and I play tuba, and I'm a damn good uh, metal vocalist. But otherwise, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a three-string guitar that's out of tune and not worth repairing. Oh, okay. I thought you were. I thought you were a guitar player, but I don't know. Can you answer that though? Can, can you? What did you pick up about the guitar playing through uh, throughout these different Clutch albums? Well, one thing I can say: there's a lot of different stylings to it. Like you don't tell. You don't need to be a musician to know that. It's like you've like you've heard like the straightforward stuff from the early albums that was just in your face and like balls to the wall. Just, you know, it's really fast. And then you've got the stuff that's more ambient, more Black Sabbath like. You've got stuff sludgy. You've got that shit that sounded like. Sounded like it was the Godfather's entrance music. You've got <laughs> drop the mic. You've got all of this different stuff. They play so many different styles, and they do it all well. And they can they can alternate in between them. That that's that's definitely what I can say about their musicianship. It's varied. It's crisp. It's just great. I like the use of the wah pedal. Um, you know, people people just like thought Tom Morello was just king shit when Rage Against the Machine came up because he would do some pretty weird stuff with his guitar, make it make some pretty weird sounds. And, okay, he was kind of a one-trick pony in that sense because Clutch does all kinds of stuff like that throughout their music. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Morello is to the wah pedal as well. Kirk Hammett's solos are to the wah pedal. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, there's, right. there's a picture I saw once online. that had Kirk Hammett with acoustic guitars. says, we'll add the wah in later, right? <laughs> So this next song um, had a great video for it starring Bam Margera of Jackass fame. This is called The Mob Goes Wild. Please allow me to adjust my pants so that I may dance the good time dance and put the onlookers and innocent bystanders into a trance. Some of those feelings. A lot of musicians were not particularly 
you know, big fans of the Iraq War, and this is not the podcast to debate the uh, whether or not it was a good idea to go into Iraq. I don't, I'm not even going to entertain it. But I will tell you this: I can appreciate at least a band approaching the subject in a creative way and just kind of expressing how they feel. And it's okay to, in my opinion, it's okay to like a band and like a song that, you know, like Lamb of God is another example of this, where um, now you've got something to die for, where it was a tribute to the soldiers, but it was very much an anti-war song. Um, you could tell these were, these were not fans of, of the Iraq War or the, the war in Afghanistan. Um, I'm fine with that. And it doesn't matter what my opinion of either of those engagements were. Um, the songs are still good, and, every, and a band has a right to express themselves in whatever way that they see fit. It's where they become overbearing or when they're out there giving speeches in, in people's faces that I get irritated by it. But, uh, but again, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, I don't like it when a band gets political, or if you don't support my views on something, then I'm not going to listen to your music anymore, and you, you, you burn things, and I, I don't have that kind of time. I just don't care. You know, they, 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 they said how they felt, and whatever. The clutch is not going to run for Congress, so I don't really care about their political opinion. Yeah, most of them. The only ones that annoy me, like Mustaine and Nugent, they they're overbearing with it. But hey, I can still listen to Dave Mustaine. I can still fanboy Dave Mustaine. I'm just not going to give three shits about what he says. Yep. Yep. Yeah, but uh, I, I feel I feel about musicians the way a lot of people feel about girls with big boobs. Don't talk; it'll just ruin the relationship. That is very true. You know, I had a girl today tell me, she's like, you know, girls with really big boobs, a lot of them are dumb. I'm like, I never noticed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another guy answered, but uh, I totally agree with what you said about, like, that honky tongue. Like, you can kind of feel it. It's almost like kind of like a snarl to it. Like, not exactly, like, you know, like, just snarling it, but, like, kind of like, you totally like envision them playing behind a fence, right? And, like, people throwing beer oh. bottles at them. <laughs> They're playing over a fence. They're like the neighbor from Home Improvement. No, not that kind of offense. Like behind a cage, you know. Like think Blues Brothers. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> not thinking about Home Improvement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could totally see them playing behind a cage. I could see them playing in something like Rocky, like a Hurricane style. <laughs> absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Now, did you have you seen the video for the Mob Goes Wild and Bam Margera just getting the shit kicked out of him? Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, God, you know, actually, I watched the video of it, but I wasn't really put about watching it. I was reading while the song was on. God, that's a dream. Pam Margera is such a cunt. <laughs> like, like I, hate, I hate to call a man something like that, but he really should have gotten his ass kicked when he was 10. Like, like, like if I did to like his dad what he does, if I did to my dad what he does to his, I'd be dead by now. There was a, uh, I don't typically watch this show. What ends up happening is my wife watches all of the Cartoon Network um, adult swim show, repeat, syndicated, syndicated shows. It's like King of the Hill, American Dad, that. and then Family Guy. And if you, you know, if you leave the TV on and you wake up, you'll catch something like Lawyer Squad. And I happened to have caught one night they were doing like like the black version of Jackass, and and they did that bit where like you know where the black kids like I'm gonna kick my dad's ass, 
And so he hides in the closet, and he jumps out, and his dad's on the toilet. And the dad's like, get off me, and, like, shoots him. <laughs> My favorite one's from the Jagass movie, where uh, he went into the Phil, like his dad. He went to his dad's van and put fireworks in it. And he put fireworks in the house, and then he set them off. So his like, oh, my God, what's happening? So they went back to bed. So, you know, when he gets back to his van, he's, like, getting ready to start it, and all the fireworks go off at, like, 4 in the morning. He's like, ah, damn it, bam! It's funny and everything, but I, I kind of, with the guys from Loiter Squad, if I had done anything remotely like that, it doesn't matter if I was getting paid for it or if it was my career or, you know, or it was you know, just a practical joke, I'm pretty sure my father would have beaten me to death. Oh, yeah, yeah, and I don't blame him. Like, you know, I'm going to be a school teacher. If I had some kid do that to me when I was a school teacher, I would have to, like, very, very, I'd have to have a lot of self-control not to smack the whole the living shit out of that kid. Don't do it, man. You'll, you'll, you'll lose your license. You'll end up having to go into porn or something. Now, listen. Uh, <laughs> porn or something. Are you kidding me? I, I've got this. I've, I could just do this all day. There you go. And get your welfare check for uh, being a metal, uh, metal addict. So I want to play one more song from Blast Tyrant, and um, let me talk about the song this way. Before Blast Tyrant came out, I saw Clutch live uh, in D.C., as a matter of fact, I believe at the 930 Club. Uh, A bunch of my friends and I, hi, Kat, we took a um, road trip down to D.C., and we saw Clutch, and we stayed in the hotel and everything, a whole bunch of us uh, Clutch fans, and they... You know, they're playing this set and everything, and we know all the songs, and then they they, they brought it down, they dimmed the lights, and they played this song, which apparently was used in The Walking Dead recently, um, which I just found out about today. I don't watch The Walking Dead, but um, I, I just as I, was doing, as I was doing some research for the show tonight, I noticed, like, hey, wait a minute, there's a lot of association with this song in The Walking Dead. I wonder why, and someone had to explain to me. And then I got this whole long other thing about how I'm missing out on not walking the walking watching watching the Walking Dead, but that's besides the you point. You are. It's, okay, fine. Uh, I'll get there eventually, folks. I you know, listen. If it ain't the wire, it ain't the shield. It's just gonna take me some time. That's all I'm gonna say. Now listen. Um, so I'm, I'm at the show and they dim the lights and they start to play this really really slow kind of countryish ballad and. For the longest time, I was obsessed with this song, and they hadn't released it yet. And I was just scouring the internet trying to find this thing, and then eventually it would be released on Blast Tyrant. But I, I remember having to re-listen to all my Clutch albums trying to find the song because I hadn't realized it was a new one. Um, it's probably... I don't know if pretty <laughs> is the right word, or if, or if that kind of work could be used to describe a Clutch song, but if anything ever approached pretty... It's this. This is the regulator.
tonight and I noticed that they used it in The Walking Dead. I don't watch the show, so I asked uh, my friends, one of my <laughs> douchebag of a cousin, I love him, but he's <laughs> speaking me an ass. He's like, well, they used it in the show, and, and blah, what do you expect? Oh, I saw that. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> like, thanks, jerk. But, um, I love him, but he, he's, uh, he's like, if you think I'm sarcastic, you ain't seen nothing yet. But my good buddy Danny, hi, Danny, he he wrote the following. He said, well, it was after Rick killed his best friend, Shane. Then he turned zombie. Rick's son, who is, who is a little 10-year-old, shoots Shane in the head, and all of a sudden the regulator begins softly. This is important because they don't use many songs that are licensed. Uh, I mentioned that it was that, – that sounded powerful, just that little description of it. And he said, yeah, it was one of those moments where you just where you just appreciate the mix of a great story and a perfectly fitting song. Um so it's definitely a scene that I, I want to check out. I'll probably end up having to check out the whole show at some point. But uh, that that's why I wanted to bring it up. Um, first of all, I absolutely love the song to death. Just love it to pieces. It's not it's not every day that a, that a hard rock band you know tackles country and tackles it well and really puts their own spin on it. Yeah, I don't know about country. I might just not want to call it country because I have a real disdain for country living here in the south. <laughs> well, I think I, I, Oh, I really do. I get so tired of it. Super but you don't shitty. think that there were elements of country in that song, but like with well, their own spin on it? Yeah, the, I'm, not, I'm not saying there were elements. I'm just saying I wouldn't quite call it country, but it's got it's. We'll call it. We'll call it bluegrass. There we go. <laughs> How do you feel about southern rock? Do you think can we go with southern rock? Maybe. Southern rock. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. Southern rock's like country, but like they've added enough rock where it's diluted out. And there's no fiddle usually. Yeah, hey, who doesn't love a little fiddle? Charlie Daniels, yay. Anyways, yes, I, uh, like that song, like, I actually heard it because I was just kind of flipping, like, before, before I called it in, I was just flipping through random club songs on YouTube, you know, just suggestions. And I landed on this song because I was, I think I'm, this is one of the songs I missed. I landed and I'm like, oh, damn, this is really haunting, but I love it. <laughs> yes, that's the thing. Like, they would play it in the middle of their set, and they'd have to come back with something like poppy and you know and fast and happy because like the whole audience would be like, Ooh. you know, and it's not like it's not a depressing song, but it's definitely one of those where it's so good but it's so down, it it, it just takes the energy out of the room. It's a very powerful song. Uh, I've heard it you know millions of times now, but it's it's one of those where. Um, by itself, it can be, I don't know if depressing is the right word, but definitely um, morbid, you know, just, just yeah. very dark. 
Yeah, because I was about to say, I'm the guy that, like, I love doom metal. So, like, stuff like this, I'm like, you know, like, doom metal for some reason gives me strength. <laughs> I, don't listen to, I don't listen to doom metal when I'm sad. I listen, I listen to blues. That's what it's for. There you go. Yeah, that's I, right. That's right. That's what blues are for. But, yeah, this, like, this song, I, I just loved it. I loved how it had an atmosphere. It really, I don't want to say, yeah, it did have, it did have a country vibe. Like, something, like, really down, kind of down home. It did have kind of a country vibe, Southern Rock, if you will. Whatever you want to call it. Really, it sounds really like an really angry Merle Haggard. <laughs> Merle Haggard. <laughs> that works. So, and the next album, uh, Robot Hive Exodus, 2005, was a year later. They continued they continue with the same theme of, um, and, you know, a theme for the album. They They... They took two really, really odd elements and threw them together and came up with quite possibly one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in rock music. I mean, it is, this is, this album is phenomenal in just how different it is. A lot of the songs have been featured in different pop culture areas. Uh, actually, Demarcus Johnson came out to Of Mice and Gods at UFC 112. Um, yeah. They, they've used different songs here and there, but uh, they took gospel so they you know, they've experimented with these different sounds and in this one they were like, You know what we haven't done yet? We haven't we've done rap music, we've done doom, we've done country, we've done everything. What haven't we done? Well we haven't done gospel. Fuck it, let's do it. You know So, <laughs> so it's like let's why not? Yeah, let's take the whole concept of celebrating Jesus Christ with music and turn it on its head. <laughs> so there's a sign. So it's like okay. So here's like gospel music and science fiction, and let's make a sandwich out of it and see what happens. It's you know it's like you know peanut butter and bologna. I just like it doesn't seem like it would work, but somehow or other it does, and it's weird. And one of the best examples of that, is, I guess the song's called Alpha Beta, but but as it's said as it's spelled out is one zero 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 one 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 zero one zero one. And this is the probably the most incredible song I've ever heard ever in my lifetime, just for how weird it is and and just how it incorporated gospel so effectively into a rock music song. So here we go. Mind. 
This is, and I want you to just think of, like, again, African-American Baptist church where they're singing and everyone's dancing and, you know, when the cross, you know, and they're beating uh, they're beating um, bangles and they're clapping their hands and they're all, like, jively, jively lively, swear to God jively. that isn't racist. They're um, jively. <laughs> they're jively. There are jively people. Um, so this has never been moved. Uh, the title 
comes from a line in the song The Devil in Me and is named after the real Beale Street in Memphis, Tennessee. The song One-Eyed Dollar is a remake from the same track of Jam Room. The track Electric Worry is a partial cover of Mississippi Fred McDowell's song Fred's Worried Life Blues and features Eric Oblander of Five Horse Johnson, another stone rock band, on harmonica. It also shares a striking similarity to Boom Boom by John Lee Hooker and even including the Bang 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 variation he would do live. Um... So, yeah, this is a celebration of music and blues. And uh, for what have you heard of From Beale Street to Oblivion, what did you think of it overall? I definitely got that blues sound that you were talking about. I really enjoyed that. Like, you know, I'm starting to really start to love blues, stoner music, which this album brings in spades, diamonds, clubs, and hearts. It brings the whole deck. <laughs> it, uh, it does a really nice job of it, it does kind of feel like a tribute because, you know, these guys aren't exactly spring chickens. They've been around the block quite a while. And I think maybe they felt like it was their time to really just kind of give back a tribute to the stuff that they love. Absolutely. You know, some, there's some music I mean, that really, you know, embodies it. And who out there in, like, modern, um, you know, heavy metal rock music, who out there is acknowledging that the roots of their music come from the blues? You know, I remember my um, when I was in grad school for social work, uh, they were trying to explain, you know, context and um, sort of you know, getting getting a history of people. And he and he was going through this whole thing. And his example was um, the like evolution of music. And he was talking about like it starts with the blues, and the blues beget this, and this beget this, and then and this is how we ended up with this here. And that's how he illustrated the point that he was making. And he lost everybody in the class but me because I was really into the fact that he used music as an example of this. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, but I don't know of, of a lot of a lot of rock bands out there that will acknowledge. I mean, they they might on some level, but no one's writing a tribute album to blues, and that's what Bill Street to Oblivion was. It was very much a you know we we remember where we came from as a genre, and this is our celebration of it. Yeah, um, I, I I really can't think of any. The only one I can think of right off the top of my head is uh you know uh, you ever listen to any of Halford solo stuff in Halford? Maybe, maybe. Yeah, he's got a song called Made in Hell, which is the story of metal. <laughs> and I always remember, yeah, he's got like a line, uh, something about uh, metal came from good old Seven Blues. Yeah. Right, so here's a I quote mean, from Neil Fallon with regard to this first song we're going to play. We're going to play a song called Electric Worry. And it's uh, one part cover song, one part original. Half of each verse is taken from Mississippi Fred McDowell's Fred Worried Life Blues, as I said before. The rest is our own concoction. When we wrote the upbeat part of the song, I couldn't hear the typical blues sentiment. Instead, it became kind of a motivational speaker slapping himself out of a stupor. The chorus, bang, 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 vamanos, vamanos, has nothing to do with guns. It's got to start, yeah, it got its start a long time ago with Tim, and I can't recall why. It said vamanos, vamanos, bang, bang, and a little bit of John Lee Hooker, and there you go. Um, the ripping harp solo is none other than Five Horse Johnson's Eric O'Blander. Uh, you can also hear this, I think it's Left for Dead is the game, but uh, this is the this is the song that accompanied that commercial. So here it is, Electric Worry. Cause me to leave, child, my happy home. 
recognize this song somewhere because I was like bang 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 and I'm like I'm like I recognize this from somewhere but I just can't place it and now I know it's from left from the left of that video game partially yeah it was awesome like I just enjoyed this song I get it almost sounds like he's singing with marbles in his mouth because <laughs> he's got just yeah because he has such a uh such Eddie Barr from Kirk Cobain Hey, yeah, it's garble fucking thing, you know. I just like just like Weird Al pointed out, <laughs> but like it has such a twang to it, kind of makes it to where I'm like, I don't quite understand the the verses, but when you get the bang bang bang, I'm like, okay, I got this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a pretty wicked song. Um, you know, it obviously has all those blues elements to it. The harmonica adds uh, a really special sound to the song. It's it's just great, and when you hear it live. You know, and everyone's, I mean, it's one of those, like, you could definitely tell the more accessible clutch music from the less accessible clutch music because the girls like the more accessible stuff. So, like, they play Electric Quarry Live, and the girls come out of the fucking woodwork, man. All of a sudden, it's just all chicks going bang, 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 bang. You know, it's great, man. My wife loves that song. I mean, they they really had a hit there with that one. And it's, it's an awful shame more people don't know it because it's such a badass song. So it's actually more of a shame that they don't know Clutch did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. Okay, uh, we're going to go ahead and play Rob's pick here, which is, uh, we talked a little bit about it at the top of, um, when we were talking about this album, it's called The Devil and Me. Contract, we ought to 
You know, we spoke a lot about this at the top of the uh, top of the podcast, but it, it bears repeating. The probably the most successful element of any Clutch album and any Clutch song is how they capture groove so well. But from my money, from Beale Street to Oblivion, as exemplified in The Devil and Me, is their most successful groove album. This is the most danceable stuff. This is the this is the most bluesy, the most groovy. Uh I, I didn't think it could get I mean, until I heard some of Earth Rocker, I didn't think it was gonna get any better than from Peel Street to Oblivion, quite frankly. This album if Clutch had just stopped with From Beale Street to Oblivion, I'd have been okay with that because I don't think it can get much better than this album. Yeah, like that song I was like once I finished listening to that song I had some chores to do, so I'm just like walking around the house going and my mom's just like, Shut up <laughs> Oh she, she, hates, she hates my air she hates my air guitars. She's like, It makes you look like a three year old I'm like, I don't really need three year olds air guitar. She's like, Make sure you look immature I'm like, that makes me look awesome. <laughs> yes, like that's the song. Like it really does have a nice groove to it, and it's it's not like the same type of groove in my opinion either. Like they, the groove that they had in the other the earlier albums felt more like kind of like a rocky groove. This feels more like a blues oriented groove. If that makes any sense? Sure. Maybe. Yeah. Oh no. That's kind of that's kind of what I get off get get from that. Get off, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely captured. I feel a lot of the old, you know, um, Tennessee blues in this album, which was the intention. Um, like I said, it's a celebration of music's roots, and it really comes out. And like I said, without losing any of that edge that makes it clutch, you know, it isn't like they like well, we're just going to do a blues album, and that's exactly what they did. It's still these are still quintessentially clutch albums. Okay, as yeah. the podcast winds down from the record from the live part of it, we're going to go a little into overtime here. We're going to be wrapping up shortly. Uh, please stay tuned because we're going to actually play a sample of the new album Earth Rocker, which we'll be re- reviewing in total in two weeks. We'll talk a little bit about more of what we're going to be doing over the course of April and May. So please come back and check out the archive version. If you're checking this out on uh, 401mania.com, uh, this will be up in the music zone uh, in the next day or so, so please look for it there, and you can hear the entire uh, podcast for the career retrospective of Clutch. Okay, so um, not that long ago, as a matter of fact, uh, Clutch put out another album. They put out some live stuff, uh, and in 2008, they put out an album called Strange Cousins from the West. And... Let me say that there's no such thing as a bad clutch album. But this one was, you know, Larry Zonka is very fond of saying about pro wrestling, you know, sometimes you, it's just a show. Nothing about it that's particularly earth-shattering. It's just a show. This was just a clutch album. You know, this this was one of those ones where it's not bad, but there wasn't anything about and like my god like I said after after from Bill Street to Oblivion I don't know what they were going to have to do to 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 be build on that surpass it in any kind of way but um in this particular one they kind of took a step back and just made a rock album you know it's again not bad but not the kind of 
music redefining stuff that I had become accustomed to with Blast Tyrant, Robot Hive Exodus, and From Beale Street to Oblivion. Now, you got to hear some of this. What were your thoughts of um, Strange Cousins from the West? Honestly, kind of liked it because I did. I did feel like it was more straightforward. Like you know, after I found that we had the same picks, and then I started listening to more of the album, I'm like, oh damn, I should have picked other songs. Like <laughs> Abraham Lincoln. I was listening to Abraham Lincoln. I'm like, I dig this. This is really cool. Like it. It's, it did have more of a hard rock feel, but it still kept elements of what they did do. So that's it. Kind of makes it a little different than what they, than their older stuff, which was just more one one track. This was. It was going down a track, but you had other options on where to take. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go ahead, and we're going to play the only track on this album uh, for tonight. We're just limiting, you know, where we were playing two and three tracks from other albums. We're only going to play one track from Strange Cousins from the West. It's, of course, it's the one that was, like, the big hit off of this thing, if, if you could say such a thing. This is, of course, 50,000 Unstoppable Watts. He got uh, like I don't even know him, and I'm like I just call him. Everybody else calls him that. I don't call him that. I don't call him twat. I call him fifty thousand unstoppable. Fifty thousand unstoppable. That's awesome. <laughs> You're in the MMA zone. So awesome. You know, I started gravitating toward you guys because it's like the you are like the only group that actually talk about your uh, like what you all write about. Yeah, it's uh, given certain personalities and their uh, propensity for. Contentious behavior. No, argument's <sighs> fine. It's more, uh, you know, like I was saying, there are some people who try to stay, most people try to stay away from confrontation, and then, then there are others who provoke it for some strange reason. So, you know, the MMA, the MMA zone's got its moments, let me tell you. But uh, that's all we're here to talk about. Well, the conspiracy theory of the day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going we're gonna to start winding down here, and I do want to play uh, just a sample track of the latest Clutch album, Earth Rocker, which came out on March 19th, and in two weeks from today, we're going to actually review the album in total, but I do want to play just a smidgen of that. So um, let, let's do that now, and then we'll just kind of wrap with, the, with our total impressions of Clutch. This is from the album Earth Rocker. This is the best song I've ever heard in my life ever on this planet Earth, <laughs> and it's certainly the best song on Earth Rocker. This is DC Sound Attack. Oh, 
my God. How awesome is that? Actually, the first time I ever heard Clutch was during your, your Ground and Town podcast the other, the other week where y'all were switching out a... Uh, you're switching out uh, Jeff Harris for Rob D, for uh, for Sam the Eagle himself. Yes. I remember you played that. I'm like, holy shit, this band is amazing. What have I been missing out on? <laughs> That's a, it was like it was like they almost like took an album off with with Strange Cousins from the West, and they came back so fucking hard, so strong with Earth Rocker. You know, and I guess some bands will do that. You know, they just they just put out an album. It's like, okay, well, we've got these tracks mixed, and we got some of the stuff going on here, so we'll uh, put this album out. And then they and then like, okay, now let's let's go back and really dig deep into our creative juices. And they fucking come up with this, you know. And it's just like, oh, thank God, because it's better than everything on Bill from Beale Street to Oblivion. I mean, it's the best thing yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to listening to it because if, it's, if that whole album sounds anything like that, I am in for a treat. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's it's a little all over the place, Earth Rocker, um, and this is by far the best track on there. But it's fucking amazing. I you know I don't like to curse a lot on these podcasts. You know, children might be listening, but damn it, if I've ever said an album is fucking awesome, it's this one. <laughs> so we'll be preview, we'll be reviewing that in two weeks, folks. I hope you come back if you've enjoyed. Uh, our career retrospective of Clutch. Robert, as I said, I am a missionary for the word of Neil Fallon that is Clutch. And I preach the gospel, and I bring it to the masses. I brought it to you. What do you have to say about Clutch in total, sir? What was this experience like for you? Well, I say, my brother, it was quite a journey. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a journey. I really I really liked it because I felt like we really got this. I really got to see an evol a band evolve from just sounding like, you know, kind of sounding like okay, this is it's an early '90s alternative. Okay, they're just they're gonna have one album and they're gonna break up. No, they come back and they bring out something else. They bring something more and then they bring more and then they change it. Then they go back to roots and they bring more. It's just it's like they're never the same. That's great. It's I mean some bands okay, like Amon Amorth. Amon Amorth, Nile, bands like that, you know, you like them doing the same thing because it works. But a band like Clutch, they've shown they can do other things and they've proved they can do it well. And it's just great that they do that. It's really nice. They've like you've managed to make me a, a sizable fan of it. It's like I'm probably gonna go preach clutch to a few people. <laughs> Outstanding. Preach on, my brother. Preach the word. Let them turn the non-believers to believers. Um, as I said at the top of the podcast, for someone who isn't a musician, I appreciate um, a, a musician's band. I, I appreciate uh, a band that con- con- constantly tries to redefine itself while staying true to its core. I appreciate people who actually know how to play their instruments and can do different things with them and are not afraid to color outside the lines. Clutch. Gospel. <laughs> gospel. <laughs> and the, yeah, that's gospel, because why not? Um, you know, Clutch is one of those bands that is always interesting to me. Even if their stuff's, you know, not maybe as good as the last album, it's still interesting. And, and I think that's the important thing to remember with any medium. It's. You know, you don't want to be served the same old 
thing over and over and over again. You need variety. You need things. You know, you need a restructuring of things, a reframing of things. And if there's one thing that Clutch does really, really well, it reframes music. Reframes music in a way that you didn't think it would work. And that's why, in my opinion, they're the greatest band no one's ever heard of. Okay. Maybe. Maybe. They're, they're in contention. They are in contention. They're the greatest. My podcast are the greatest band no one's ever heard of. Now, listen. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> he wasn't here, youngin. <laughs> that's right. I'm to Pappy what to do now, see? Um, all right. So, two weeks we're doing Earth Rocker review, as I've said now, 57 times. Um, two weeks after that, we decided we were going to do the new Fin Troll. And I'm hopefully getting my buddy Calvin on that one because he does folk metal. All right, fantastic. We're gonna, you know, uh, I do like the folk metal. Again, I like interesting music. And the very first time I heard Trollhammer, and I, I, I was obsessed with that song for the longest time. So I'm excited. I in the parking lot. I <laughs> in the parking lot to that song. Oh, uh, Humpa is just the greatest like music to dance to besides you know everything Clutch ever did. So I, I, I do like I like the Humpa, uh, the, the folk Humpa. metal. Um, so we're gonna do we're gonna review the new Fintroll in about a month. Um, two weeks after the new Fintroll, what are we doing? Are we doing Spock's beard or are we doing Spiritual Beggars? I don't remember. Spiritual Beggars. All right, we're doing Spiritual Beggars, the new Spiritual Beggars you'll, album. You'll love you love them if you love Using Plus because they've got a really because you know it's Michael Amott from RPME Carcass, all those bands. It's just like it's just like tribute to blues and kind of hard like like hard rock, stoner metal. They've got a really good. Uh, Really nice vibe to them, real fun, real kind of smoky to them. And they've got the old singer from Firewind. So, if you like Firewind. Oh, fantastic. I love Firewind. Have you ever heard Firewind's cover of Maniac? It's fantastic. I have not. I have not. But I know you are the master, master, master of covers. You're pulling the strings. <laughs> That's right. Twisting your mind, et cetera, et cetera. All right. What do you got going on this week, Robert? Uh, as we talked about at the top of the show, you write the Metal Hammer of Doom. So, where can people read you? Where can they find you? What do you want to plug? Well, let's see. They can find me in the music section on Sunday nights for the Hammer of Doom, which it's monthly. It'll be monthly until the middle of May because I'm in school. And I promised my mom I wouldn't do write my column for the most part so I can focus on school. So I'll be doing a column at the end of this month, and then I'll be doing one at the end of April. And then after that, I'll pretty much be weekly. And I have no clue. I mean, we've got some big news. You know, I'm sure you heard Clive Burr died. They're sad. Sad, sad, sad. Yeah, we got stuff like that. Okay, so we've got that. Uh, anything I personally want to plug, let's see. I have my Sentai Writer podcast, and I've still not yet recorded the second episode, too, but we're going to get to that. You can find that at SentaiWriterPodcast.blogspot.com. As the other podcasts, I've got another podcast that I'm going to start with my buddy Kevin, the one that gave commentary to, uh, <laughs> the one that gave plenty of fun commentary to Tomahawk, and me and his buddy Fletcher. Like the three, the three of us, we started a podcast called the Three Beards Podcast. What are we going to talk about? I don't know. Kevin hasn't said because I told him I'm only going to be on it if I don't have to edit because I hate audio editing. <laughs> so monotonous. <laughs> so yeah, I have all that. See anything else I have? I don't think so. I've got my column. I've covered my podcasts. I think I'm good. Oh, oh, one more thing. One more thing. I'm sure Mark's going to plug this. So yeah. When you can go on, go on the MMA zone to full on mania and the factor fiction. Go vote for Mark. Go do it and vote for Sammer because I lost to Sammer and I want him to win so I can say I lost to the champ. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm so close. 
I don't think so I'm going to be Butterfield. Last time I checked, I was down about 10 votes. But, yeah, if you listen yeah, to this you... podcast and voting is still open, yeah, sure, go vote for me. And it will make a roaring comeback, and I can make it into uh, the final round. Yeah, I got so close to being Samer, which I knew I wasn't going to be Samer, but I got close. <laughs> people like Samer, man. I mean, he, he gets some shit from people, dude. but... For the most part, oh, yeah. he's got some very he's got some very very interesting views on MMA, and people seem to gravitate towards him more so than some of the other writers. Uh, so I okay. do think I won. I do think I won because I, I read his answers. I'm like, mine are better. I, I don't even think Not, I read the column, and I just voted for you. No, so I, I was a typical American voter. Uh, don't worry, I voted for you. I voted for you blindly too. So don't worry. You're, <laughs> you're the only vote that I gave blindly. So I'm like, it's Mark. I have to vote for Mark. Outstanding. Okay, uh, a week from tonight, Long Road to Ruin returns with uh, a look at the Batman series of movies, uh, not the Chris Nolan ones, we're not there yet. We're going to be starting off with the Jack Nicholson, Michael Keaton, uh, Tim Burton, Batman, um, Batman Returns with Danny DeVito and Michelle Pfeiffer. Two weeks after that, we'll be doing the Yuck Years, the Joel Schumacher that, years, and ugh. that credit card. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't want to talk about it, but yeah, well, it was a long road to ruin. We'll be examining uh, over over a month period the four uh, '80s Batman movies with um, oh, Michael Keaton so and two other people who played Batman. So we'll be doing that. Um, told you about the music podcast. Every Sunday night at nine o'clock is the MMA 401 Ground and Pound Radio with myself, Pat Mullen, Robert Winfrey, and of course Jeff Harris. Um, we're we're moving into a more topical uh, kind of show. Yes, we'll be breaking down cards, but we're also wanting to look at some of the some of the serious issues in MMA and give it some discussion. So, you know, we're, we're tweaking the format a little bit to differentiate ourselves from another great podcast, which you can re, you can listen to on 401 Mania, which is uh, Jeremy Lambert's Man Cave. You know, him and Samer do a cool. great job, and we don't want to do the exact same podcast, so we're, we're tweaking the yeah. format a little. Yeah, because um, I listen to I download yours on Mondays, and I go find theirs usually during the middle of the week. Yeah. You know, they're pretty um, today, but they do kind of cover the same stuff. Yeah, yes, they do. Sorry. I mean, there's different opinions, and they do they have a different style. But I mean, after a while, it's like how many how many ways can you say GSP is going to beat Nick Diaz? Um, and speaking yeah. of which, last week I was on the Casual Heroes podcast over on the CasualHeroes.com. We were talking about all the MMA coming up in the UFC in the month of April. Uh, we talked about some you know we talked about some other stuff. So I got to be the analyst on that show instead of the host, you know, or the referee, as it were. So that that was fun. Um, of course, as Robert said, I'm in uh, Factor Fiction from Monday against John Butterfield. I'm only down 10 votes. If 10 of you listening to this podcast go right now and vote for me, I could eke out a victory here because uh, I want to beat this guy. I want to continue on in the tournament if for no other reason than to validate that my opinions are not all that wacky. So, um, God, no. that has been crazy. Like almost low, all the low seeds in the other bracket have just like destroyed everybody. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty cool. I'm enjoying it. I, I like Factor Fiction is one of the few MMA projects that everyone contributes to that I actually participate in. Oh, I don't I love I, it. I, yeah, I mean, I might actually do all the King's Men too if I have time, um, but I don't do the round table. Yeah, that one. I think they already. Yeah, he already closed it. Did he? Yeah, well, oh well. See, that's the problem is I don't get to with these things early enough. This is, that's the problem with a lot of the top fives in the music zone or the movie zone where I'm like, oh, I have ideas for them, and then I just don't, sit, I don't have time to sit down and write them. In any case, check out Factor Fiction where I did have time to write um, and vote for me. Yay. 
Um, this Thursday night, uh, I get to cross something off my bucket list. I'm going to be live on Press Row for Bellator in Tampa. Um, the USF Sundome, baby. Uh, the USF Bulls. What? The USF Bulls. Uh, it's a real song, by the way. Um, so yeah, I will be at Bellator to watch uh, Emmanuel Newton knock out uh, Mikhail Zayat. That'll be fun. Um, the dream is so- true. The dream is true. Emmanuel that's right. Newton, the King Mo Killer. Yeah, that's right. Time the hardcore kid. Time to murder Time it. Time to murder it. Um, and I'll be there to watch Saad Awad murderize with, uh, Don Rickles or whatever the hell is David Rickles. That'll Don be Rickles. fun. <laughs> Dude, it'd be awesome if Saad Awad actually knocked out Don Rickles. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Forget it, man. Just take them all out. Time to murder it. Um, so, yeah, so check out my live coverage for Bellator. Um, and then uh, I think that's it. I think that's, that's all she wrote for this week. So we'll see you in two weeks. Thank you very much for hanging out with us tonight on the 401 Music Zone podcast. We'll see you then. Um, and for once, for the first time, Going forward, here it is. All of the Radlich and broadcasting outro music is going to be this song. Hit it!